right. Man, what a privilege to be here. Um, I have to give a, uh, two shout outs. Um, one is my awesome, incredibly talented grandson is in the house today, TJ. Love that boy. Hey, TJ. Um, and you know, um, you know, when we come in here many times, everything is set up, right? <clears throat> when you speak, you have to come in early. Like at 7.30. I mean, God's not even up at 7.30. So you come in here at 7.30, and it's absolutely amazing the team that puts this together. I mean, there's people in the back. There's the, the uh, band plays two or three times. There's magic people in the booth upstairs that make slides magically appear. I mean, there is a lot of work that goes on by volunteers just like you or I every Sunday, and um, they need to be, we need to give them a hand. Big hand. Um, <clears throat> you know, being the elder council, I get the privilege to serve with a great group of men, and I get a chance to serve my brother Dez, and what a privilege that is for us to love you and to serve as elders of this church. And it's important to know <clears throat> that we love you and that um, we love what God has given us, which is the privilege of, of, of serving. And we're excited about that. You know, there's three things that the elders are, are working on, and, and I just want to share that with you real quick. One is what we call the ministry of presence, and that is as elders, we just want to be present. We want to be there. We want to be available. And so you've seen elders present perhaps more. And what's exciting that people will stop me, you know, in the mall or the store and go, hey, you're an elder at Grace. And when I stop, I mean, I'm always afraid that I owe them money. And I kind of like, no, I'm not, I'm not, you know. Um, but it's cool because, you know, you know, they see us and they know us. And the second stool is the ministry of prayer. It's a privilege for us as elders to pray and to pray for you always and, and to be in front in prayer. And the third stool that we're working on now is called the ministry of discipleship in which we want to model what Jesus called us to do and to make disciples. Amen, right? Okay, that's why we're still here and that we want to be fully devoted followers of Jesus making other fully devoted followers of Jesus. So those are the three things the elders are really working on. You know, we're not all in, so much into the, you know, into all the, you know, the admin, but we want to focus on those things because we feel that's how we can serve you best. And so, uh, so I'm excited to be here. Um, you know, one of the things we're going to talk about is that, about the Christian life being somewhat difficult. But, you know, growing old is difficult. It's hard. It's hard work. You know, like I'm like knocking on the door of like 70, right? And, and you know, it's just hard. And, and so one of the things that shows me this is right when I was young, I used to be able to stand on a stool like this and jump off, right, and do that. But now, like the other day, I was, I had a stool like this and I was changing a bulb and I was on top of it like this. And I was trying to get down. I was, I was going like, where's the ground? Jesus, please, 
please, God. And I'm moving my foot. I'm going, God, if I can touch the ground, I'll praise you forever and ever, Lord. And when I finally touch the ground, I want to build an Ebenezer, an altar that my foot touched the ground. I mean, that's how sad it is when you grow old. And one, one of the things that, that happens is that, you know, I am always losing and leaving my phone and my wallet. I mean, Fry's Supermarket has a drawer that says lost and found. Then they have a drawer that says butler because I am constantly leaving my wallet there. And so I thought I was cool, and I bought one of these things like right here, and, I, and I'm walking around, and, and I put my wallet in it, and I stick my phone in it, and I make sure it's all together. And I always check and make sure it's all together. And the other day I was at the store, and I bought something. I paid for it with my phone, and, and I'm walking out, and, and so my friend calls me on my ear set, which also makes me cool. I hit my ear set, and I'm walking out, and, and, he, and I'm talking to him, and I'm checking. I go, hey, dude, I got to go back into the store. He goes, why? I go, because I left my phone in the store. I, I left my phone, and I'm looking, and I'm going, I, I got to go back. I left my phone. He goes, butler. I go, what? He goes, I'm talking to you on your phone. I go, Oh, oh, it's in my pocket. And so, you know, even like that, it's just really pitiful and sad <laughs> how old we are and how it just is still not working. So that's the confession to you as I talk about growing old is difficult. And that's one of the things that I really want to share with you today about the difficult things of life. But let me pray first. Father, I just thank you for the men and women in the room here, Lord. And uh, Father, we are excited um, for what you're doing here at Grace. And Father, help us to be men and women who love you, who believe, Lord, that we are committed to what you've called us to do. So Father, I pray today Lord, that um, you would bless the words that I say. And, Father, I pray that you would open hearts. And we ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. All right. So, um, you know, I'm a, a soldier. And um, <clears throat> one of the things that as a soldier, you understand that there's an enemy. And there is someone who is oppressing and who is against us. And... One of the things that is important to know, right, as we walk in the Christian life, is that life is difficult, it's hard. And we live in a life in which we want comfort in our life, right? You know, we want to live in a way that it doesn't press too much upon us. And so, as I've lived my life and as on the other side of that hill, life has been difficult. Right? For me, um, I think of the fact that I've had uh, stage four cancer twice has come back and then it affects my heart valve and I have to have open heart surgery and now it's affect my back and I have this advanced scoliosis where my spine is curved 70%. And so when I was young, I used to work out or, or work out for the sole purpose of when I got older, I wanted to, to backpack, I wanted to hike. You know, I wanted to do all those things when I was older. But now when I'm older, it's difficult for me to walk. 
right? I can't stand for hardly more than 30 seconds. When I walk from my kitchen to my garage, sometimes I have to stop at the couch because of the pain. When I get up every day, the, the pain is there, and, and, and I think about why. And what I've discovered is that God does not do what is easy. God does whatever is for his glory. And so we look and we see that if it's hard, most of the time, it's God. If it's difficult, it's God. And we look, you know, why did God decide to use a couple that were 90 and 100 years old to give birth to Isaac? You know, why is it that God chose a shepherd boy to kill Goliath? Why is it that God said to a blind man, go and go to a pool that you've never seen to be healed? It's because God does not do what is easy. God does what brings him glory. You know, we think about why did God allow Lazarus to lay in a tomb for four days before he came and told him to come out of that tomb. And it's because God does not do what is easy. God does what is for his glory. And so one of the verses that really impacts me is James 1, right? We've seen that verse a lot. And it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. You see, the book of James is saying, not only are you going to encounter trials, but you need to consider trials all joy. I mean, how do you do that? And God says it's because of that that you will become mature. And as all of us, we need to realize that the reason God did not take us home in the night is because he has work for us to do today. And all of us have been through trials in our life, difficulties in our life. And it's difficult for us to consider it pure joy. But that's what God says. God says, consider it pure joy. He says that it's going to produce perseverance. You know, one of the things that I do as a consulting firm is that we work with elite athletes and we work with military special forces, Navy SEALs, Rangers, Green Berets. And one of the things that we work in is we work in the area of resilience, perseverance, so that they can endure great hardships and still continue on with their mission. I work with athletes and, and train them to help them to endure hardship so they can continue on whatever their athletic endeavor is. How much more is our mission more difficult? How much more do we need to run the race? Jesus said, as the master was persecuted, so shall the servant be. Men and women, trials and tribulations are part of our walk. But yet we desire to be comfortable. And, you know, when I look at 
the story of Lazarus, I say, you know, God, why did you stay so long? Jesus, why did you stay so long? You know, when I'm getting out of bed and I'm thinking like, Lord, my body hurts. Father, how come I can't work out? Father, how come every time I have to go and fry supermarket, I have to hold a cart? Lord, how come I can't go to the gym? How come I can't hike South Mountain? How come when I hold my, 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 my grandchild, like I, I have to hold him for a short time, got to put him down? Why is it, Lord, why is it that I can't do those things? You know how much this is, means to me. Why have you done this? Why can't I do these things, Lord? And I have discovered, men and women, that God is more concerned with our sanctification than he is with our comfort. God is more concerned with my sanctification than he is with my ease and my comfort. And when we think about sanctification, you know, that's not a word that is used a lot, you know, in the Christian vernacular. But sanctification means that it's a process, right, of being set apart. It's a process of being set apart. Why? So we're more conformed to the image of God. We're in the process of being sanctified. We're in the process of being more conformed into the image of God. And when we do that, there are challenges. There is discomfort in our life, right? There are things that are difficult that we push back on that. Men and women, I'm here to tell you today that if you are following Jesus with all of your heart and soul, you will encounter trials and tribulations and discomfort. I think of my family and I think of, you know, when one of my children had a medical issue that that hit and we all were around we said lord why 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 is that why is that happening how many times have we had periods of loneliness right and despair and fear and we think god where are you and we need to understand that hardships are important because they draw us to the lord Right? Hardships are important. When you go to the gym, you push a muscle, you, you, you cause it to, to, to strain because through that you become stronger. You know, there's a place called a biosphere. And the biosphere is run by the University of Arizona and it's down kind of close to Tucson. And in the biosphere, they put all kinds of plants and everything in there to see how they how they live in different environments. And, and so a friend of mine worked there and he said, man, we kept planting these trees and these trees were in a perfect environment, but they kept dying. I mean, the environment was perfect, but the trees kept dying. And you know what they discovered? They discovered the trees kept dying because the roots were shallow, because the trees had not endured any hardship. Isn't that amazing? You see, hardship is what causes us to have roots. Hardship is what causes us to persevere and develop the muscles that we need for resilience. We're not meant 
to have a life of ease. And God says to us, I want you to consider it all joy when you have hardships. You know, sometimes I look at Christians and, man, sometimes my brothers and sisters, they're the ones that, that complain the most about hardship. They're the ones that resist it. They're the ones that say, why should I have it? I want to have a life of ease. That's not what God has called us to. If you're a soldier, you're not surprised when the bullets are flying. You're not surprised when you encounter the enemy. But as believers, we are surprised when we encounter hardships in this life. But you see, God does not do what is easy. He does what is for his glory. He has a plan for each of our lives. And we need to understand that we need to be a light to the world. It doesn't mean that when we have trials that we celebrate and they don't hurt. When you lose someone, when, when you're a young mom perhaps and, you know, something happens to your baby, it's hard to rejoice when that happens. If you lose a child, it's hard to rejoice. If you lose a parent, it's hard to rejoice. If you lose a job, it's hard to rejoice. If you don't have enough money to pay the bills, it's hard to rejoice. If you're lonely, it's hard to rejoice. But God says, consider it all joy when we encounter trials. You know, you know I have a martial arts dojo, and... And when a lot of the guys come in there, they call it the crucible. Partly because it's 120 degrees in there. But other than that, they call it the crucible because they go in there and their technique is hardened. Because you see that, you know, you don't see on a lot of Christian greeting cards, hey, rejoice, life sucks. I mean, that's not on the card, right? You don't see that on the card. Hey, come, hey, come become a Christian. Your life is really going to suck. I mean, that's not on there. You know, I wear this, this band, and this band says, embrace the suck. And, and what happens is that we have a lot of ass, I mean, we have a lot of military folks, and they want this band because for them, all this training sucks. Put your head down, just keep going, and it sucks, but embrace it. But as a believer, God calls us to run the trials. He calls us to embrace trials. He calls us to be joyful about trials. When people come to me and they say, do you wonder? Do you ever say, God, why me? When my cancer came back, I said, God, why not me? Why should I be exempt from trials? Because I believe that God pushes those saints that he has a desire to transform. Let me read some scriptures that are amazing. Proverbs 17, 3 says, rejoice. It says, the fire or the crucible tests the purity of silver and gold, but the Lord tests our heart. Zechariah says, the third I will put in the fire, I will refine them like silver and test them like gold. Isaiah 48 says, see, I have refined you. Though not as silver, I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. Psalm 66 says, for you, God, I tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us into prison and laid burdens on our back. You let people ride over our heads. 
We went through the fire and water, but you brought us to a place of abundance. First Peter says, in this rejoice, through now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the test genuineness of your faithful of your faith is more precious than gold and perishes, though it is tested by fire. May it be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Men and women, we are being sanctified. We're being called to be in the image of God, no matter where you are in your faith journey. When I was in a hospital room and on my third day of breaking over my chest, I was sitting there and my body had shut down, my heart was all messed up, and I was there, I'm going like, Lord, what is going on? And God, he just said, hang on, because this is necessary. You know, when we think of refinement, you know, let me show you something that's kind of cool. You know, uh, being a martial artist, you know, I have this, you know, I have this old samurai sword right here. This thing is old, and, and what's neat about it is that I've had it, and this thing is, has lasted many, many years, right? And look at this sword, right? And it's beautiful, right? It's beautiful, and, you know, when I pull it out after hundreds of years, you know, it's still sharp. Des, you want to test my, no. So the sword is still sharp. You see this, you know, the sword is, look, look at that, it's still sharp. Hundreds of years, and... What's amazing about that is that when we have a sword, there's a way a sword is made, okay? There's a way a sword is made. First of all, there's just a piece of metal, and, um, and that's all it is, just a piece of metal. Doesn't look like anything. But then that sword is, is put through fire, and it's fire of 1,300 degrees again and again, and then after it's put through fire, the sword is hammered, and it's hammered. Doesn't look like much, does it? But it's heat, and then it's hammered. Heat, and then it's hammered. And after it's heated, you know, they take it out, and they start hammering it and folding over the metal. And they stick it back in the fire again. 1,300 degrees, and they pull it out. And then they hammer that sword again and again and again until it looks like this. The only thing that produces this beautiful sword that's meant for cutting is heat and hammering. Heat and hammering. This is the way that this is produced from just a piece of metal to something that is useful. Heat and hammering. And to this day, it's still sharp. And so I use this as an example that God uses heat and hammering for us to be 
transformed to a vessel that is useful for him. And it's not fun. It's not fun. It's not fun to go through trials. It's not fun to have hardships. But let me tell you, what happens if that sword said, you know, I'm going to stop halfway through the process. And all I am is a, a lump. Too much heat for me, so I'm going to stop. Would that sword ever become something as beautiful as that? As sharp as that? The answer is no. God uses heat and God uses affliction. God uses heat and God uses affliction. For what purpose, men and women? He does it so that we can be transformed into a vessel that he can use. Do you want to be used? Oh, man, that was the You know what? You guys stopped at that second slide. Do you guys want to be used? Do we want to have grace, a group of people that God uses for his glory? And then we have to be willing to go through the suffering and the trials and consider it joy because God is doing it for our good, for his glory. You know, we need to begin to see things from God's perspective. You know, there's a story that was, uh, that was good. There was a guy that was telling me that he went and he picked up his dad, right? And he wasn't where his dad lived, so his dad was going to an appointment. And so his dad was really kind of nervous. Dad was older, and he was going to an appointment. So my friend put in, the son put in his GPS, right, where the address was. So he's driving and he goes a different route and his dad is freaking out. You know, I mean, like I can imagine that being my mom. My mom would have grabbed the steering wheel. So he's going a different way. His dad freaked out, man, we're going to be late and something's going late. I'm just going. The GPS says go this way. So they get over and they see the road that they were going. There was an accident. They would have been stuck, would have been late for his appointment, but the GPS saw that and put him a different way. We need to begin to see things from God's perspective. You see, God sees things that we cannot see, right? Amen? God sees around the corner. He sees around the corner. Why can't I get that job? God sees around the corner. We see to the top of the hill. God sees over the hill. God sees the bigger picture. God is a skillful craftsman. Imagine this sword in the hands of a skillful craftsman. Imagine that piece of metal in the hands of a skillful craftsman using the right heat and the right hammering to turn that into a, something that is useful. Because the craftsman sees the bigger picture. The craftsman sees the end. We don't see that, do we? So we have to see things from God's perspective. One of the things I often talk about is the wilderness experience. There are times in our life that we're in a wilderness, right? That we're just struggling because we're lonely. You know what's powerful is as elders, we come up here, you know, every Sunday and, and we stand right here and people come down and they, 
they come down and they ask for prayer, and it is just like, it's a blessing, but it's, it's just like, it, it's like, wow. And then on We Pray Night, we have a board where people write prayer requests, and as elders, we get those prayer requests. Pages and pages of people saying, I'm lonely. I want to end my life. I, I don't have any friends. My, someone's going through a hardship. I'm in pain. Something's happened in my life. I don't have a job. My rent's due. My husband left me. My kids don't love me. And it's just like, wow. It's, it, it's, it, it, it's wow. And those people are going through a wilderness experience, right? But we learn from the wilderness. We learn from our times of loneliness. Men and women, I'm a, as an elder, I'm just like you. Meaning that not on staff. And not that that's a separation, but what I'm telling you is that as an elder, I'm telling you that, 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 that as we shepherd the, our church, that we're telling you that there are times of deep loneliness. And I'll tell you, you know, if you look to your left and you look to your right, you're going to see people who have deep hurts. But in this wilderness experience, God does great things in our life. He transforms us. He tells us the areas in our life that need refining. He prepares us. You know, the most exciting part of being a SEAL is becoming SEAL Team 6. They are the ones that endure the, the most hardship. They endure the hardest trial. They're the tip of the spear of the special forces operation. That's what we are. We're special ops, men and women. We're SEAL team. The SEAL team has nothing on us. We are called to go into the enemy's territory and snatch people from the gates of hell because God wants us to be used for his glory. And so when we're in that wilderness experience, we need to know that God is teaching us great things. The question is, are you, if you're in a wilderness experience, are you listening to God and what he's trying to teach you? Or are you saying, God, I want ease again? Or are you willing to take those afflictions and know what God is trying to say? Because many times in the midst of a wilderness experience, we want to ask some questions, right? We ask God some questions. We say, God, do you see me? Right? God, do you hear me? God, do you, God, do you understand me? There are times when I'm laying in bed and I can't move and I got to get out of bed. I go, God, do you, do you hear what I'm saying to you? Lord, this is hard. When I was laying in my hospital bed, I was going like, God, do you hear me? God, are you with me? Are you with me, Lord? And, and God, what are you going to do? What are you going to do in this? You know, when the story of Lazarus and John, when Jesus went there, they were saying to Jesus, Jesus, do you see how we feel? Do you hear us? And Jesus did, right? Jesus loved Lazarus. 
and he saw their grief and he felt it and he was with them. And there is that shortest, that shortest verse, right? Jesus wept because he was with them. He saw them. He heard them. He was with them. He understood death and grief. Did he do something about it? He said, Lazarus, come forth. Because he did it for his glory. So men and women, I'm telling you right now, if, if, if you feel that you're in a wilderness experience and you're crying out, maybe you've had a horrible thing happen to you and it's tough. You're saying, God, do you hear me? Do you see me? Do you feel me, Lord? He's saying, yes. He's saying, I have not left you. I will never forsake you. And we're not meant to go through trials alone. Let me tell you, one of the things that trauma specialists are finding out, that many times trauma happens when people go through suffering alone. Trauma often happens when people go through suffering alone. We are not called to go through suffering alone. You know, I'm kind of a prideful guy, and there's times when people say at first, hey, can I pray for you? And I'm thinking like, nah, I'm good. I'm like this. Yeah, I'm good. I'm okay. I'm good, you know? I, you know, I want to go through it alone. My kids want to help. My wife wants to help. And we're not meant to go by do this alone. Second Corinthians says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord and Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. You know, there's, you know, I have the privilege of working with a lot of young guys, and, and there's a young guy um, named Jace. And uh, Jace is a, is a young college student, and so we had met earlier this week, and he was talking about the difficulty with his dad, and his dad was not there for him. And I was talking about, you know, my back and prayer, and, and I, I shared with him, and he wrote me this text, this young guy. He says, the pain from your back is not for nothing because you would be too strong without it. He says, the amount of pain you have gone through daily, but you still endure, is inspiring the people. The Lord may not take away our battles, the pain. He may not fix an absent dad or fix all the problems we like, because the Lord's will is more powerful than our own comprehension. However, he does give us strength to carry on, wisdom to make hard decisions, and a fire in our hearts to push each other to the Lord no matter what. Us kids, like, I go, who are you, man? I mean, you know, <laughs> the next generation, 20 years old, because I shared with him, he wrote that back to me, because we aren't meant to go through trials alone. See, you can get that from a, as an almost 70-year-old guy, I can get it from a 20-year-old guy. I can get it from anybody. So as we kind of wrap this up today, I want to give you some points to think about, right? First, sanctification is the ultimate goal. 
if you are walking with Jesus, you have to ask yourself, Lord, do I desire to be fully transformed into your image? Do I want that? Am I willing to do that? We need to know that hardships are part of the process. They're vital for our sanctification journey. I'll tell you right now, let me tell you. So I used to work with guys and, and I had this dojo and all the guys came in and I thought my physicality, that's why they came. We go to the gym and I would take these guys and bury them to the gym. You know, they were, they were almost as big as you, but not quite. But, you know, I would go to the gym and I'd work with them. And so then all of a sudden I'm at the point where I can't do anything on the mat. But yet God has filled my dojo with young guys more than he ever has before. Because God says, Butler, I don't need your strength. I don't need your muscle to influence young guys. I just need you to be faithful. That's hard for me. God doesn't need my strength. So hardships are important. God's perspective is greater than our perspective. We need to learn in the wilderness. We need to follow Christ's example of his sanctification and his willingness to take on suffering. And we're not to go through, you know, hardships alone. Right? Amen. Let me, um, can we talk to you as we kind of close up today? And I want to, one of the things that's important, folks, is that uh, we love you. And coming and talking to you today is just not filling a spot. It's because my heart is broken for our church. So a big question that we need to ask ourselves as we close up. Anything about trials and sanctification, learning the wilderness, it all depends on this question. The question is this. How big is your God? guy told me the story of his son asked him, he said, Dad, how big is God? And so a plane was going in the sky. He goes, son, do you see that plane? Son goes, yeah. He goes, how big is that plane? Son says, well, Dad's far away. It's small. Small. Then he went to the airport up to a plane. He goes, son, how big is that plane? And son goes, plane's big. And he goes, son, that's how God is. How big he is depends on how close you are to him. Amen. So my question is, how big is your God? You know, as we think about that question, and we ask the issue of prayer. I'm going to ask the prayer partners to come up and elders. And, and as they come, I want you to be thinking about this. Some of you here are in a season of loneliness and despair. Some of you are, are hurting and you're going through a time of great difficulty. Some of you are saying, God, God, you don't see me. God, you don't, 
You're not there for me. And you need to come up and have someone pray and tell you that God sees you and hears you. Some of you out here perhaps need to confess that, God, I've sought comfort, not sanctification. Lord, I need to ask your forgiveness. So as the band comes up, I, I want you to, to not sit in your seat. I want you to come forward and, and say, Lord, I, 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 I've struggled, and this is what I need. So let me pray for you. Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for Lord, for giving us trials and tribulations. Father, I want to thank you for refining us through the heat because we know that through that we will be transformed to a vessel that is useful for you in the kingdom. So, Father, we want to be a church of useful vessels. We thank you for what you're doing in our life. Amen. Amen.